Hyphen Nation, and I'm your esteemed host, Kellen Conley, drinking some Simply Orange, orange juice. So pause for station identification. What up, y'all? It's Friday. Coming to you live from you know where it is, Kroger parking lot in the beautiful Suncrest Town Center here in my city, my location of my home with my wife and my child, Morgantown, West Virginia. I got a lot of topics to get into. I've been saving this. Because in case you've been living under an audio rock, or maybe you're like, hyphenation is the audio equivalent of Beyonce's Lemonade, and I cannot listen to it. For the record, I've still not listened to Beyonce's Lemonade. I know. I know. I said I would. I just haven't got to it. Sorry, Nikki. (laughs) Maybe you feel like Hyphenation isn't for me. Maybe, just maybe, you feel like I'm going to go listen to those other podcasts. And if you do feel that way, or any of those reasons exist, you missed a two-hour conversation I had with Eric DJ Monsalong Jordan last Saturday night. Went to his crib in Westover. We talked about when he became a Cavs fan, LeBron James, the Cleveland curse a little bit, what it was like as the Cavs went to the finals the first time and lost, what the decision meant to him, what the return meant to him, how awful it felt to lose that first NBA Finals, the second NBA Finals in 2015. She really didn't get into too much. She was just kind of like, hey, we're hurt. Eh." And then finally, the Cleveland curse being broken by the Cavs this past June on Father's Day when they came back from the 3-1 deficit on the Golden State Warriors, or as I now like to call them, the Golden State Super Saiyan Warriors. Speaking of which, I addressed the Durant thing in episode 18. But Russell Westbrook, of all people, re-signed for three years with the Oklahoma City Thunder. Which is insane to me. And I don't mean insane to me. 
I thought for sure, once Duran left, Duran, once Durant left, that uh, he would be like, Westbrook would be like, well, I don't want to carry this small market team by myself. I, too, will take more money to go elsewhere. If I can't get traded out of my deal out of Oklahoma City, I, too, will take more money to leave after the 2016-2017 season. Just so that I, too, can have a chance to compete. <clears throat> and I'm actually uh, trying to see. I st- saw someone on SportsCenter about re- uh, Durant's reaction of Westbrook resigning. But no! Russell Westbrook decided I'm a competitor. I've been in OKC. All these years. All these years. Kevin left. This is finally, fully my team. This man may average a triple-double, people. He's one of the most explosive players in the NBA. I love watching Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, do what he does on the basketball floor until he starts chucking up bad shots late in the fourth quarter. I absolutely love this move for him. I'm excited that he's on board. He has the option to opt out so that he can still get a big payday, which is perfectly fine. But for now, Westbrook said, I see what y'all did in the Golden State. And he got his DMX on. His DMX Circa The Great Depression, his fourth album. We right here. Come see me. So now we officially will have a Thunder and Warrior rivalry out west. It'll be interesting to see the Thunder try to hang with the Warriors. But I really think we're going to see something different out of... uh, I'm excited to see the Thunder play now. I'm excited about the Thunder again. With the new pieces they added, I'm excited to see what this means. Oklahoma City Thunder moving forward. And yeah, I'm, uh, excuse me, I may have uh, tweeted, oh, look, a competitor, and then added Russell, I mean, uh, Kevin Durant. That's because I'm a hater. But this is what Durant's reaction was. I didn't get to read on SportsCenter. But he said, I'm happy to see any player in this league do whatever they want to do. Obviously. Durant said, as long as he wasn't pressured to do anything and felt like he did everything he wanted to do, which makes it sound like he got pressed by the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, Mafia to resign. And that's how I feel about every player in this league. It's good for a man. It's good for his family. It's good for the people in Oklahoma City that love to watch him play and love to have him on their team. I got nothing but positive energy and vibes for everybody. 
I don't have no beef with anybody and wish no ill will on anybody. So if he did what he wanted to do, that's better. That's great for him. <laughs> uh, wow. So that wasn't even on my list, but I wanted to address that. So, so big up, Russell, Ross, Russell Westbrook. Big up, Russell Westbrook. Whatever, Katie. I used to love you, Durantula. Episode 20. Hyphen Nation. 20 episodes. And technically, if I'm going by what my work, my calendar says, I am only 10 episodes behind having an episode for every single week of this year. I doubt I'll make it to 52 at the end of the year. But 40 would be cool. Let's shoot for 40. Can we shoot for 40 people? Is you with me? As this gentleman gets in his car with his sunglasses, it looks like he got himself a nice little tray of something. Maybe picking it up before work or after work. Maybe he's picking it up to take home for the wife. I don't know. He looked ready for work, though. I got topics. This Joe Budden Drake thing has went from interesting to a little overdone to completely preposterous in a matter of a month, it feels like. For those not in the know, Drake has had the number one record on the radio for a while with one dance. (coughs) Excuse me. Drake also had the number one album for a while with Views, which came out in April, if not May. I listen to Views, I talked about Views on this podcast, and I enjoy Views for what it is. As far as my favorite Drake album, it would probably be last, because I feel like this album features the least amount of songs that I can fully enjoy. When you put it up against Nothing Was The Same, and Take Care, and Thank Me Later, or even So Far Gone, or even... If you're reading this, it's too late. Joe Budden has a podcast, which is cleverly named. I'll name this podcast later. And after he heard views, (coughs) excuse me, I'm sorry. After he heard views, Joe decided this would be a great day for me to get on my podcast and say exactly what I think about views. Joe Budden has never hid the fact that he is a big Drake fan like myself. What Joe said in question on the podcast was he thought that Drake was better than what he did on Views. He thought he didn't sound inspired on Views. I agreed with that. Never at any point did what he say about Views sounded like an outright diss towards Drake. Now, I don't know how familiar some of my listeners, I know some of my listeners are very familiar, but I don't know how familiar some of my listeners are with the idea of uh, Drake. Um, sorry about the background noise. I had the air conditioner I don't know how familiar some of my listeners are with the idea of Drake. And when I say that, I mean 
obviously, you know he's probably the biggest pop star rapper in the world right now. Last summer, Meek Mill, a rapper from Philly, had a song with Drake on his album. And he found out Drake didn't write his lyrics or his bars on this album, on this song they did together. So Meek called Drake out and said he had a ghostwriter and that he wasn't worth the molecules that put him together, to put it lightly. Drake heard this, saw that a rapper that he could consider a peer was coming at him, a batter, a batter, a rapper with a well-known battle pedigree background, battle rap background in Philly coming up. Drake goes on the offensive and puts out a song called Charged Up. A lot of light disses saying, I heard you. And this is how I feel about that. You don't got to worry about that. Meek continues to belittle Drake on Twitter and on Instagram, but says, I'm on tour. I can't get to a studio. Drake says, okay, I'm going to put out another disc record on you then. Not only will I put out another disc record, I'm going to make it a club record that everybody will love, one, because it's dope, and then two, because I'm Drake and the biggest rapper in the world at this present moment. That ruined Meek Mill. At least for last summer and probably the past year since he did that. Meek responded with a very terrible diss record, and then that was kind of it. Drake made fun of him at his October's very own fest, better known as OVO Fest, which I didn't even know happened the other day. That's how out of touch I am now, sometimes. Drake made fun of him at OVO Fest, and everybody associates Meek Mill with losing. In that same sense, Take what you heard from that story with Drake and Button. Take that and how Drake took the offensive when he was being attacked. Okay. Drake apparently took some kind of exception to Button's podcast because he and Button are friends. Him and Button have known each other for at least seven some years. Since at least 2009, when So Far Gone blew up, they've hung out together. They've talked on the phone. There's pictures on the internet of these two gentlemen being friends and camaraderizing. So, what does Drake do? Apparently, Drake lets French Montana, another rapper, Get on his Instagram or whatever it was, because I didn't see it. Play a snippet of a new song featuring Drake, where Drake then says the words, pump, pump, pump it up. For those of you who don't know Joe Budden, Joe Budden also came up with a battle rapper pedigree, but also more for a freestyle impresario coming up from New Jersey in the early 2000s. In 2003, he had his biggest hit ever with a Just Blaze produced song called Pump It Up. His album came out a few months later, and it promptly flopped. Joe then spent two years 
trying to get out his second album, The Growth, on Def Jam. But the regime changed the Def Jam, and it never came out. He finally got released. He built back an underground buzz with this series called Mood Music, a mixtape series, which I think is phenomenal. All four parts. He built back up his own little following underground, and then he's been pretty much independent outside of being in a rap supergroup called Slaughterhouse um, that is signed to Shady Records. And Shady Records, of course, is the imprint of one Marshall Mathers, a.k.a. Eminem, a.k.a. Mr. Aftermath, a.k.a. owns part of Interscope, not literally. So, Joe has also had his share of beefs over the years with rappers, whether physical or on record. Joe is no slouch when it comes to disc records. Joe hears this 10-second clip of this French Montana song and goes to the studio and starts recording. And Joe has a history of overdoing things, whether it be on one song or several songs. I believe it was 4th of July weekend or so, Joe puts out his first diss. The beat's kind of, eh, the disses, the lyrics are good. Nothing from Drake. Crickets. A few days later, Joe hits him again. Crickets. Nothing from Drake. Couple more days after that, hits him again with another diss. So, I believe that was three disses before Drake responded. And when Drake responded, he responded with the French Montana record. So this couple month old diss at this point is what with a couple bars about Button, really. Another party record. Excuse me. Another party record comes out. But not on the level back-to-back. And then, immediately thereafter, what, two or three hours later, Button releases another diss track. So we're standing four diss tracks to one. Drake has not officially released a diss track. Back to Button. Drake is the biggest rapper in the world. For Drake to address Button again would be pointless from a business standpoint. From a rapper standpoint, he absolutely should say something back. So, since then, we've had people run up on Joe Button's home, Drake fans, two kids, went to his personal property and got ran off by Joe Button. And then since that, Button says Drake has been direct messaging him saying, if you put out 50 diss songs by the time I have my four shows at Madison Square Garden here in a few weeks, I'll pay you $10,000. Which, and that's where the entity comes in. Um, and then, <laughs> a pair, I don't, I even looked into this because I really don't even think this is a great, I don't even think any of this makes sense. None of it, to be completely honest with you. But, the thing is now, apparently something along the lines of Drake said something about if Eminem tried to battle him, he'd be ready or something. We all saw 8 Mile, so that's completely stupid. You don't battle Eminem. So I really hope that that was a joke. 
So yeah, this this Joe Budden, this Joe Budden Drake feud has uh went from interesting to preposterous. Like I said, I mean, it was good music at first, and now they're just going back and being catty and saying weird stuff on social media and interviews and. And Budden had this weird podcast with Charlemagne the God from MTV2 and the Breakfast Club fame. And he brings Charlemagne's trying to figure out why Budden's obsessed with Drake. Because he kind of is bordering on an obsessive a little bit. Because Budden's never, has not, it's not like a F you beef. It's more like a, I respect you and I want you to do better beef. So whatever. Two Sundays ago, WWE Brattleground took place. And the card was very awesome. Top to bottom. Ambrose went over cleanly on his former Shield brethren and is still your WWE champion. Since Battleground, the brand split has taken place. Ambrose is SmackDown's champion. Raw is currently sitting up to have a match between the recently called up Finn Balor and Roman, well, not Roman Reigns, and Seth Rollins for the newly minted and horribly named WWE Universal Championship, which will be fought for at SummerSlam. Ambrose will be defending his WWE Championship against my guy and your guy, because he's one of the best workers in the company, <clears throat> Dolph Ziggler at SummerSlam. So SummerSlam seems good, but Battleground for one of the nine big pay-per-views was really excellent from top to bottom. I want to say... The match of the night, though. The absolute match of the night. Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. These two have history. They're legit friends. They've fought each other in countless promotions over the years. (laughs) As El Generico and Kevin Steen. And then, <clears throat> don't know why I'm having such trouble there, sorry. El Generico made the jump to NXT and became Sami Zayn. Kevin Steen became Kevin Owens once he got to NXT. They both got caught up to the main roster last year. Owens has been a two-time Intercontinental Champ, NXT Champion, Sami Zayn has been the NXT champion. And this is the first time in the past few months because Zayn was out for the longest time. Sami was out. Uh, He had a legit injury. But these two have been feuding over and over and over again. But not to the point of being it being exhausting. Like, oh, these two are going to fight again. It wasn't it's not Orton uh, Cena yet. (laughs) They got a long way to go. Before they get to Orton Cena. But that match. Was an absolute. Clinic. In how. To wrestle. It was amazing. 
because Sammy had lost several matches to uh, Owens at that at this point. Uh, I believe they've had matches on pay-per-views leading up to this. So let me see. Actually, Money in the Bank. Yeah, at Payback, at Payback they wrestled, and no one's won. Uh, and then, of course, they've had, they've eliminated, like, Royal Rumble. Zayn made sure Owens was eliminated. Money in the Bank. Uh, Zayn, Sammy made sure that Owens, um, that, uh, Owens didn't win Money in the Bank, so yeah. Let me. I'm just gonna read this quick little Wikipedia recap to you. This is the match. Kevin Owens faced off his arch with his arch rival Sami Zayn in what was billed as their final encounter. Of course, they're both drafted to Raw now, so we know this isn't true. No notable moments in the match included Zayn executing a blue thunder bomb on Owens, Zayn executing a brainbuster on Owens on a ring apron, which was a brutal spot. Owens ex- executing a bullfrog splash on Zayn. Zayn executing a half-and-half half suplex, which caused Owens to land head-first, and Owens uh, responding with a devastating pop-up powerbomb on Zayn. Zayn placed his foot on the rope to avoid the pinfall. Towards the end of the match, Owens implored Zayn to stay down, but Zayn executed a combination of an exploder suplex into the turnbuckles and a half-and-half half suplex, followed by two hell-of-a-kicks to secure the pinfall victory. And that doesn't even do it justice. If you have access to the WWE Network, it was an 18-minute match. It was the longest match on the card. That's beautiful. They let them work. If you have the WWE Network, go watch Battleground and watch Sammy and Kevin. I haven't seen a wrestling match this good since, ah, uh, man, the last time I think I saw a match this good, where I was this invested, might have been SummerSlam 2013, when, um, what's his face, <laughs> Daniel Bryan beat Cena. That's the last time a match was this good for me, and that's just off the top of the head. There could have been other ones in between. The triple threat match with Cena and Lesnar and Rollins at the Royal Rumble two years ago in 2015. That was really good. Um, But go watch this match, please. Do yourself a favor. Go watch this match. I'm going to bridge that right into Raw. Because, of course, the draft had happened the week before on SmackDown Live. Monday Night Raw was, again... The best three hours of Monday Night Raw since Raw 1000, maybe. When they first went to the three-hour format. Which is crazy, considering all the three-hour shows we've had since 2012. When they went to the three-hour format. And there might have been some good Raws in there, but I don't remember. It's not on the network yet, but it will, it's, it, it, I don't know. Go watch the highlights on YouTube, and then I think the network adds it a month after it airs. Eventually, it'll be on the WWE Network. Check out that whole card from top to bottom, because two major things happen on top of it being a great show. 
which was icing on the cake. Sasha Banks and Charlotte faced off for Charlotte's WWE Women's Championship, and they had the best women's match in Raw history. If it's not the best, it's right up there with Lita and Trish uh, main eventing Raw all those years ago. They told a story. They had their near falls. Sasha did tweener stuff, like the move to get um, what's-her-face, um, Charlotte's current ring valet. I can't think of her name. I want to say it's Alexa, maybe. It might be Alexa. I'm going to find what that girl's name is. Dana Brooke. Dana Brooke. Because Sasha did this awesome thing where Dana was near her on the floor. The ref had his back turned. Sasha snagged the belt, tossed it to Dana, and then pretended to to like act like Dana was about to assault her and got Dana thrown out. It was amazing. Because, of course, Sasha's a legit boss. Word up. And Sasha won, man. Sasha is your new women's champion. They told a great. It was a great match. It was an NXT women's champion, a uh, women's wrestling match on Raw. It was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. And in the end, I didn't even see the beginning with Balor and Reigns earning shots to face each other at the end of Raw to see who's going to go for that Universal Title against Seth Rollins. I didn't even see that. Balor and Reigns wrestled their asses off. And then they put Balor over. It was incredible. It was absolutely sick. Now, the Raw's following have not, like, uh, last week's Raw, it was good. I saw parts. But. But. This Raw was great. I haven't seen SmackDown Live yet. I've heard good things too. I'm actually more interested in SmackDown Live because of the of the roster that's, that consists of it that uh, makes up SmackDown Live. So I'm hoping and praying and wishing and hoping um, to catch that soon. I need to start DVRing it because normally by the time we get all settled in on Tuesday night, it's hard for me to catch um, SmackDown versus how easy it is for me to catch Raw as it's happening on Monday. I just got to condition myself. So, bravo to WWE for the past few weeks. It's been a hell of a, <clears throat> it's been a hell of an entertaining ride. That is for sure. Next topic. I don't know if this was prompted by word that the NFL was looking to uh, get rid of, uh, uh, I, I can't even remember now. My uh, coworker Adam had told me they were thinking about getting rid of uh, the of kick returns or something in the game, and because they were too dangerous, and yada yada yada, and 
And I said, well, they might as well just let them start on the 20 every time. Just trade the ball. Just start on the 20. It'll shave time off the games. That'll be less TV ad money, which is exactly what I know they don't want. I don't know if anybody's noticed. But in the past, I'd say it's fair to say 10 years, 10 to 12 years, the NFL has been bastardized. Bastardized. And when I say that, I just talk about all these rules that's been put into place to try to promote the players' safety. And it's a it's a lose-lose situation here. And I know it. And I know I'm not being fair. But when you have so many rules in place to try to prevent players from getting hurt. It makes perfect sense. But, on the other hand, the game is drastically different from how it was played even five years ago because of all these rule changes. I miss the longer kickoffs. Because everything goes out of the end zone, it seems like, anymore. I miss those days. I miss when a quarterback could actually be touched. Granted, I know a quarterback can be touched and thrown and sacked, and I'm not a fan of leading with the helmet or anything like that or any dirty plays. I know why things have been changed. I know trying to avoid the concussion protocol and concussions are a major deal for the NFL right now. It needs to be. It needs to be their primary focus is keeping these players healthy. Too many players are having devastating head injuries. Too many players have played with devastating head injuries over the years due to a lack of concussion protocol. Ken Stabler. Soon to be Hall of, uh, if he's not, a, if he didn't go in once he, I can't remember if he's in or if he's going in this year. Soon to be Hall of Famer, took till he died, which is ridiculous. Soon to be Hall of Famer of the Oakland Raiders. When he passed away from cancer, I believe, they tested his brain and found CTE. Of course, Junior Seau, I believe he had CTE. and We all know what he did to himself. CTE is a very real problem, and it's something that if the NFL is going to survive going into the next, hell, let's say the next uh, decade even, they have to make these changes in order for the league to survive. But I also feel like they need to make changes that's productive towards keeping the game watchable. I feel like all these little rule changes that they make to prevent people from getting hurt, whether it be the quarterback or offensive players or kick returners, punt returners, um, to make sure that these guys aren't jackknifing into each other like they uh, have been doing for years and years leading up to the NFL. I, I get it. 
I do, and this is why it's such a lose-lose, because the, the, the fan in me wants to be like, hit him! Kill him! Get him! You know? I get excited. Like, I am so pumped for fantasy football and for the NFL season to start. I'm an NBA guy, but since I've discovered NFL Red Zone, that is my second religion on Sundays. Red Zone from 1 o'clock until until 8 o'clock. And it's amazing. Every week. Red Zone. Hey girl, you trying to come over and watch some Red Zone? There's a title. Hey girl, um, you trying to come over and watch some, some Red Zone? Yeah. Woo, woo, woo. Yeah. I'm going to put that in here before I forget. Hey girl, do you want to come watch some Red Zone? But I'm being, I'm, I'm just being serious. Like, I know. There's a lot of controversy surrounding football right now. A lot. And I know we have to protect the players. They're human beings. I know that for years, the NFL has modeled them as these invincible superhumans, unless they're hurt. That we look up to every Sunday and Monday and now Thursdays. They are made of the stuff that legends are made of. Sorry, I'm typing my title. <laughs> hey girl, do you want to come over and watch Fred so? But I, I, don't, I don't know what can be done in order to have that fair balance between safety and entertaining football. Because I'm seriously afraid that at some point, the quarterback will literally just be able to stand back there and not get hit. And it'll be like, you won't be able to really, they're, they're going to outlaw tackling, all kinds of things. That's what my fear is. I love the NFL, and I want it to continue for as long as I live. I want Leah to grow up and be able to watch football. And I know something has to be done, but we can't sit here and change traditional rules and remove things like, I don't, in fact, I'm going to get my Google on just to make sure that I didn't hear that incorrectly or that I'm sitting here complaining about something that makes no sense. Kickoff returns. NFL. Oh, not 2013. That's going to be highlights. Let's see if I got any news on this. All right, well, there's actually a blog just two days ago. NFL should re- eliminate kickoffs entirely rather than reduce their impact. Oh, okay. So, so this guy's actually calling for them to completely outlaw. Here we go. NFL has been trying to reduce the number of kickoff returns that occur because they are detrimental to the health of the players. 22 players running full speed down the field and crashing into each other can, you know, be dangerous. To that end, the league moved the touchback from the 20-yard line to the 25-yard last season, giving kick returners less incentive to run the ball out of the end zone. Of course, NFL coaches are always looking at ways to get an advantage. 
And to that, NFL's experiment could very well solve nothing in the long run. Blah, blah, blah. It's going to change a little bit. Um, let's see. No, I didn't really say anything. It's like, we should not have kickoff. All right, let's see what they said on July 28th. I know this is great podcasting, but I'm just trying to give you all the facts. <laughs> facts only. Let's see. Mm, let's see. I don't see anything. A temporary rule. Okay, that's what it is. They moved up the they moved up the touchback is what they did. So so not that they're wanting to actually they actually put something in place to eliminate a kickoff return, but they're discouraging them because they don't want people coming out of the end zone and running the ball back. They like, oh well, if you feel like the twenty's not enough, how about we give you the twenty-five? I mean, final point. I've been so wishy-washy on this. 22 people rushing down the field at each other at high speed is very dangerous. And I get how high-risk kick returns can be. I'd have to say that out of all the injuries I've seen in the NFL or in any football form I've ever watched, a lot of the injuries have occurred on kickoff returns because they're extremely dangerous. I get it. On the other hand, I love kickoff returns. They're one of the most exciting plays in sports, period. Kickoff returns are great. There's nothing like seeing somebody catch the ball deep in their own end zone and then out-juke 11 players on the field, out-maneuver, out-spin, out-run. 11 other players on the field to get to the other end zone to score a touchdown, which could be a momentum change for their team if they're down, or it could be another shot to the gut and a team that's losing. It's such a game changer. And you want to cut them down. I don't know. I feel like the NFL without regular kickoff returns is like the NBA without the fast break. Let's just leave it at that. <sighs> Excuse me. I love the NFL, man, but damn if it don't piss me off sometimes. So the other day, I had to go get drug tested. It was a requirement. <laughs> I was fine. No problems there. But I went to a different testing place than the normal place in Morgantown. And I went there and I talked to the girl on two days before before I came. And I, she's the only person who works in this office. Talked to her two days before. And she said, well, just come in on Wednesday and we'll get you taken care of. Now, if you've ever taken a drug test, if you've ever been lucky enough to take a drug test, this is what should happen. You go in, you fill out some paperwork, 
I'm burning up a little bit, so I'm going to let this car beep very loudly, and I apologize about that, and try to get some air moving in here. You go in, you fill out paperwork, you sit, eventually they call you back, they hand you a cup, they say, go pee in this cup, don't flush or anything while you're in there, don't do nothing, bring it back out to me. I've had to do this two times before, and then that's it. Well, this lovely woman who was at this place where I tested at was, like I said, the only person there. She is only by herself in this office all day long from start to finish. So I came in and she brought me back immediately. We, we did. A, she asked me a couple questions, filled out stuff, started unloading, getting all the stuff that I needed. Um, and then she had me lock up everything that was in my pockets, which is a first, because I have heard stories of people taping urine to their legs in order to pass a drug test. I didn't have to do that, and she didn't pat me down, but they do want to make sure you don't have anything in your pockets in case you're thinking you can just walk in with a cup of pee. <laughs> so, I'm not lying. I wish I was. So. Standing at the bathroom, and she's telling me instructions. And I'm like, oh, man, she's going to go in there and watch me pee. She's going to. I just know it. Just know it. And then finally, she's like, I don't have to watch you. I'm like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. And then it turns out that apparently at her old job, where I actually had had tests before, sometimes they do watch you, which is crazy. But they probably have to watch for when they're, if they do, I don't know probation testing, I guess. I don't know how that stuff works. I didn't ask when she would have to watch my pee. So I go in, and of course, thinking, I am peeing in a little while, I'll be good. I just gotta hit this line. Normally, I don't have a problem. I had a little bit of a problem. I I didn't get that much in there. So after about a minute of panic, thinking I was going to come back and take this test another day, or even later or something, um, I brought it out to her. She's like, bring it out as fast as quick as possible so that we make sure you get the temperature. Temperature's important. So I brought it out in my little tiny sample, and she's like, oh, you got a temperature. You're good on it. It's As long as it's warm. A lot of people don't realize how important it is that it's still hot. I didn't. Now you guys know. And then while she takes it back and has me wash my hands and uh, clean and puts the sample away and labels it and yada, 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 we have the most delightful conversation about her whole life prior to moving back to Morgantown. And then she said, you can go get your stuff out of the lockbox. So I went and did that. And then I uh, said my goodbyes, and that was it. So I didn't just make a go- take a drug test. I made a friend. Not really, but... I'd have to say, if there was ever a situation where somebody said, you have to take a drug test, what are your ideal situations, or what's your ideal situation to take this drug test? But like, I would like to go back to her, because she's a lovely person, and she uh, kept me, and she told me her, and she was a very warm and forthcoming person that was nice to talk to while I was there to try to do my business in the cup. It is what it is, bro. 
the most interesting drug test in the world. Finally, I got a bit of a podcast problem. And when I say that, I don't mean with my podcast, other than my not reaching out to Thomas DJ to figure out, one, just to have a talk with him, because I have not talked to this man in like two years, I feel like, since before I moved into Arkwright, which is around this time last year, about a month ago last year, I moved into Arkwright. And in fact, we haven't recorded any more Molly Fogg music. Strike Adventures is back. And then that's it. I don't have any other podcasts. Victor Jump Off Radio. That's it. Victor Jump Off Radio, Molly Fogg Music, Trek Adventures, and the greatest podcast, the best podcast in the world that you're listening to right now. When I say I have a podcast problem, let me read you what is currently on my iPod to still be listened to. This is not counting the actual individual episodes. This is just the shows I have in my iPod right now. A Waste of Time with It's the Real. Anna Ferris is Unqualified. Avengers Assemble. Better Call Saul Insider Podcast. Better in the Dark. Shout out to Thomas and Derek. Channel 33. Chewing It with Kevin and Steve. Dan Elliott. Relationship Goals. Drink Champs. Drinking Partners. Get Up on This. Girl or Guy with Aisha Tyler. Premium. Girl and Guy with Aisha Tyler. Regular. How Did This Get Made? I'll name this podcast later. Um, Into It with L. Collins. Jalen Jacoby. Michael Bailey's Views from the Long Box, Microphone Check, My Scrubs Podcast, Rap Radar Podcast, Serial, um, Sharp Tongue, uh, Talk is Jericho, The Bill Simmons Podcast, The Combat Jack Show, The Exploding Typewriter, The Garbage Time Podcast, The Lively Show, The Morning After Podcast, The Nerdist, The Ringer NBA Show, The Ross Report, The Steve Austin Show, The Steve Austin Show Unleashed, This Message Will Self-Destruct, um, Self-Destruct, Okay, yeah, that's UFC Unfiltered uh, with Jim Norton and somebody else. Let's see, Jim Norton and Matt, Sarah, uh, WTF with Mark Marin, WTF with Mark Marin. Yeah. I literally have hundreds of episodes of podcast on my iPod. And I have not the slightest clue on how to cut them down. Because I'm thinking, I, I started cherry picking Bill Simmons stuff. Because I don't want to hear him do NFL picks. Because I'm behind. I don't want to hear week six. I don't want to hear week 10 picks. Just to hear Bill talk. So I've been cherry picking through those for certain guests and stuff. I love Jalen and Jacoby. But Jalen and Jacoby do a show. Every day, I feel like I had um Bonani, Bomani Jones on here and his Right Time podcast, but he does a show every day. I have 126 episodes of Jalen and Jacoby right now, and they're each at least an hour. How do you get through an hour, 126 podcasts? Of our shows when I'm only in my car, 25 minutes home and 25 minutes, um, 25 minutes to work and 25 minutes home each day. I don't have time to walk around and listen to it on my phone or in my iPod. I don't have because I have a family. I can't sit here and be like, 
hey, I'm going to uh, sit here and have dinner with y'all, but I also got to get this podcast listening in. So if you could just chill with all that uh, talk to me directly, and if you really need me, just tap me and I'll stop my podcast. I could do that, but I'm not going to do that. That's, that's quote the famous Mike Buzzsaw Asti. Asti, that's asinine. So I'm trying to figure out what to keep and what to filter out. More than likely, the sport podcasts are going to go. I love Jalen and Jacoby. Um, the NBA show, I can kind of live with because I love the NBA that much to listen to old stuff. Some of those podcasts will probably go into L. Collins. I've been kind of hate listening to because she'll have an episode that's that I really like. And then an episode that I can't stand the first 20 minutes of and I turn it off. My apologies, L. Collins. I, I think you do a wonderful job with your show and your format and everything. It's just not, I'm just not into it more often than not. But you have some topics that I'm interested in. Like you had the episode about uh, Daniel Bryan, uh, which is awesome. And the episode about a different world, another awesome one. But then when you sit there and try to think about, and uh, sit through like the Breakfast Club episode with your sister whatever it's kind of like um nah, nah. I, I don't know not, it's it's difficult so I, i'm i'm still going to give l one more shot but then there there's other stuff like there's no way i get rid of views from the long box better in the dark's better in the dark i'm trying to listen to all of um perry constantine's exploding typewriter podcast that's not even an active podcast anymore he stopped doing it due to lack of listenership so yeah, if y'all have, oh, and I got one more in my inbox right now, because every time I find podcasts I want to listen to, I email the site to my um, self, and the next time I'm on iTunes on my computer, I will search it. Like I have this one called uh, Dad Reads Comics, where this guy has a 65-year-old dad read comics with him on the podcast. That sounds hilarious. So of course I'm going to check that out. It's it's severely hurting my me my music listening, cause I there's there's months worth of music that I'm gonna put on my iPod and I'm just gonna listen to all the music I've added before I go back to podcasts and that's gonna put me even further behind. So that's why I gotta make a decision. So if y'all are gonna give me any help, hit me up at b hyphen at gmail dot com. Message me on the Facebook page, Resilient Redundancies of Kellen Conley. Let me know what I should keep, what I should get rid of, or even if you have suggestions for shows, or or what I should do to better organize my podcast listening time. I'd appreciate it. Recommendations! Yes, son! Recommendations! First one is a, a film from 2006? When did B-Day came out? B-Day came out in 2006. Because my man, Eddie, got robbed of his Best Supporting Actor award for this film because he put out Norbit, essentially. First recommendation is Dreamgirls, the film, and the state show, and the soundtrack. One thing I may not have said on this show before, I love musicals. Love them. Love them to death. Can't get enough of musicals. Big fan of Rent. Big fan of Sweeney Todd. Big fan of The Music Man. Big fan of 
West Side Story, big fan of Grease. Uh, most musicals that you, I actually enjoyed watching Les Mis for the first time because I saw the movie version. As terrible as the singing and acting was in Les Mis, I enjoyed Les Mis as a whole as a product of of an actual piece of work. Um, I am a big musical guy. The Scrubs episode, um, my musical, is one of my favorite episodes. I was just telling Heather yesterday how there's a song on there called Everything Comes Down to Poo. It's a wonderful little ditty. Um, included in that also in the episode is the infamous Sky Love song between Zach Braff's character, John Dorian, and um, Chris Turk, better known as Donald Faison. Or if you've seen a Brandy sitting up in my room video, also known as when Brandy goes, Donald's here? Like Donald was the biggest deal in the world. I mean, Donald was the main feature guy in that video, though. Little, little known fact. <laughs> ah! Dreamgirls, the film, that was when I first heard and saw Dreamgirls. All the performances are absolutely excellent. It is a take of a, a, a takeoff of the Motown, um, of the struggles of the Mot- of Motown records coming up. It is a take on that of how they they kind of came together and how this the this uh this small singing group starring Jennifer Hudson, uh, Noni. Rose, I think it's Noni, and same girl that sings, uh, who is uh, Tiana's voice in The Princess and the Frog, um, and then Beyonce, they are a singing group, they uh, meet Jamie Foxx, Jamie Foxx starts paying for the records to get airplay, and then slowly but surely become the biggest singing group in the world, and it's their trials and tribulations throughout that period of the late 60s and early 70s. Um, and what they all go through. Um, this movie is when Jennifer Hudson won her Oscar, and she also won a, a Grammy for her performance, Oscar and a Grammy for, for the same thing, because she's so damn good. Beyonce's, Beyonce is probably, this is probably my favorite Beyonce um, acting performance, so be sure to check that out. Noni Rose is no slouch either. Jamie Foxx is outstanding. Eddie Murphy is great as James Thunder Early. There's no bad performances in this movie. If you haven't seen Dreamgirls, please take the time to watch Dreamgirls. And if you can find the stage show, check that out too. I have not seen it yet. If I ever get to see it, like I know there's copies of it floating from when um, Jennifer Holliday was doing uh, Effie's part originally. Um, If I'm ever able to find a copy of that, I would love to watch it. If you are lucky enough to find the original stage performance, please check that out. Dreamgirls. Next! From Dreamgirls to the Drew Carey show. When I was in middle school, when I was in junior high slash high school, I loved the Drew Carey show. Of course, I'm a big sitcom fan in general. It doesn't take much to entertain me. I think Last Man Standing is hilarious. So if that tells you anything, or Still Standing, whatever that show was, if TBS showed it in the afternoon in the past 10 years, I've probably laughed at it. Um, big sitcom fan here. So the Drew Carey show is one of my favorites. I recently discovered that the Laugh Network um, shows repeats of it. I haven't seen it in syndication in a long time. But all the seasons leading up to that last season were, which is absolutely horrible, I think are great. I feel like it was groundbreaking at the time. There was an article during Cleveland Week 
um, on the ringer about how it's not even about how not a big deal uh, the Drew Carey show is. And that's why nobody remembers it or makes a big deal about it like they do other shows. I disagree wholeheartedly with them. I feel like it was before its time. I feel like Who's Line blew up more once Who's Line is anyway got on the air. And that diminished some of people's what memories about the Drew Carey show. But from what I recall, the Drew Carey show was a huge deal. It was funny, and it was groundbreaking for a sitcom. Um, as far as what they did, like the live shows and the different gags they would do, um, I feel like it was groundbreaking. And I feel like it doesn't get enough credit. So if you have the Laugh Network, L-A-F-F, check out Drew Carey's show when it's on. Uh, DVR it if you don't want to stay up that late. I don't know when it... I know it comes on at like 11 o'clock. And that's a little late for... so It's late for me. But sometimes I'll watch it. Last recommendation is Pharrell. In my mind, his 2006 album. Tyler, the creator, recently just did a long post about what this album meant to him. And I posted it on my Facebook page at uh, facebook.com slash resilient redundancies. And I agreed wholeheartedly. Never leading up to 2006, even with Kanye being out. College Dropout was close. Like, College Dropout was what this album became to me. An album was never made on the level of nerdiness, and it was, I've never been listened to an album as relatable as this album. I love this album. I love the Pharrell and the Yes Sirs version that Questlove did. Um, it's a phenomenal album. Pharrell is, an abu- is a really good rapper, despite what some may say. He's a great producer, of course. Um, he knows how to put songs together. Go back and re-listen, or if you've had them for the first time, go listen to 2006's In My Mind ASAP. Please. ASAP Rocky. That's it. Let's do this. You can find Hyphenation on iTunes. Rate, subscribe, share, and review. Get to show more exposure. Let your friends know. If you enjoy the show, tell a friend to listen to Hyphenation. Tell a friend to tell a friend that it's him again. Uh, nature, Noriega, wild gremlins, champagne on the rocks. Okay, that was a band from TV, a little snippet from Nature's Verse. Go tell your friends about Hyphenation. Hyphenation is also available at behyphen.com, podcast.behyphen.com, and tricycleoffense.wordpress.com. Hyphenation is available on Stitcher, now on the TuneIn app, also on Pocket Cast. Also, you can find all the Hyphenation episodes on archive.org if you want to check it out on there. Hyphenpodcastnetwork.blogspot.com. That is the main feed. Um, if you go to podcast.behyphen.com on the right-hand side, you'll see RSS feeds for Hyphenation. Put it into your favorite podcast listening device. Listen to it there. It's on Mixcloud. Mixcloud.com slash behyphen. YouTube. YouTube.com slash behyphen. Honestly, Hyphenation is on a lot of formats now. Any place that holds a podcast, Google Play. It's on Google Play now. You can find Hyphenation for your listening consumption. If you want to contact me, behyphen at gmail.com, at behyphen on Twitter, Resilient Redundancies of Kellen Conley on Facebook. Like me. 
Tell your friends about the pages. I always post. I am a content curator. I post content to my Twitter and my Facebook all the time. That's not just my stuff. Special thanks to all my listeners. I really appreciate it. You guys are the reason I'm still sitting here after 20 episodes doing the damn thing. Each and every one of you. I promise you that. I think that's it. Tell a friend to tell a friend that it's him again. Nature, Noriega, Wild Gremlins. Until 21. Thanks, y'all. Can you get with me? People want to know who is he. He get busy. Say so much dizzy. Girl.